following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Did they get new people in the building? Or? I Okay, so we're going to once again bounce off this week's parsha, this past week's Torah portion, which was Parshat Mishpatim. Um, what's fascinating about Parshat Mishpatim is it's in it's immediately after the portion of the Ten Commandments. So you have um, last week um, they read the Ten Commandments, Parshat Yisrael. So you think going from uh, from the basically the highlight of our whole history, which was receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments from God Himself, immediately switches the next week's portion switches to very mundane tort law, as we're going to see. Um, starting off with dealing with an indentured servant, dealing with some laws of marriage, uh, and mostly assault and battery cases, tort law, kidnapping, which is the, which you think is just very basic social laws. So the, the commentaries all point out that, on the contrary, that's the connection here. The, the objective, the reason why God specifically put it in this order, is to show us that the, that these basic laws, the laws that we discuss here, let's say business ethics and 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 tort law, is are just as equally important to the Ten Commandments. You shouldn't think was now that was given at Sinai. This was the Ten Commandments itself, and uh, and everything else. You know, it's just nice social laws. But on the contrary, meaning there's to someone to violate a basic tenant, let's say in tort law or in business ethics, is just as big a violation as adultery or or any other of the other Ten Commandments, murder. I'm not condoning adultery. Um, we're, not, we're not lessening adultery. On the contrary, we're saying that um, business law is just as equally important in violation. We don't look at one and say, well, this this is more important. In the Torah, all 613 commandments are viewed as equal in that sense. So, we have to answer. So, uh, so, with that being said, we can look at this in a different light, um, these, these Torah laws. And what's fascinating is, what I always find fascinating about um, a lot of the laws we discuss is how the Torah um, predates most of, of, of our society, as we'll see, and, and is very forward, very advanced in coming up with various laws. In this case, we'll see, we'll talk about various forms of damages the Torah discusses. So, we're going to begin. The, the question that I want to address today is a question of compensation for lost income. Um, many times you have cases where you don't, when you damage someone, besides the actual, there could be damage to the person. So obviously, you have to pay damages as damages. The question is, let's say you cause him somehow to a, a loss of future income. Okay, either because he's, uh, he's stuck up in the hospital or many times you, you might damage his... Uh, He's a taxi driver. You damage his vehicle. Okay, so now he can't he can't drive his taxi. So he loses his wages, loses his um, potential loss of earnings, future earnings. How does that work in halacha? Is that um, justifiable? Is there is there recourse in a way? Is and can can one include that in damages or not? Okay, so so I put down two cases here. One is case number one is a case where you stand in case you deserve the rental whatever the rental may be you rented a van okay and this is the only last van on the lot and they say they're holding it for you and then that morning whatever the case is you wake up and you, you realize you don't need it anymore and you call up the cancel 
Okay, so obviously there, there's no way they're going to rent that van that day. It's late in the day. It's 11 a.m. Whatever the case was, it's not going to be rented out. Okay, can they charge you for their lost income that you caused? Right, if you they told you very clearly this is the only van they have, and because of you they could have gotten other customers, and now they're not going to be able to get those other customers. Can you be charged for that? Um, that's case number one. Case number two is, this is uh, for those of us who lived in, in lived in New York City, here it's not a standard, but in New York City, part of uh, life in New York City is something called double parking. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. in Houston. We're not really familiar with that, thank God. Hasn't made it here yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, good afternoon. Every man some shoes. So, so the, the, the in, in New York, part of life, um, if you ever have the uh, merit of living there, um, so part of life is in Manhattan or even in other boroughs, you, you park in your spot, and then, this is the norm, people will come and park in front of you, leave their car there. Many times, if they're nice, they'll put a, uh, their business card in their windshield so you can call them when you come out to your car for them to move their car. Um, but otherwise, you're blocked in, and many times people are not that nice and they don't leave their number there. So you're stuck in your parking spot. Mm -hmm. So the assumption is the guy will be out in the next 10, 15 minutes, but sometimes it's a half hour, sometimes it could be all day. So you're locked into your parking spot. This is known as double parking. So uh, that's how you learned uh, many curse words um, <laughs> in, uh, in New York. There's various words you're supposed to use when that I'm happens. <laughs> So the point is very frustrating. Living, living in New York in general is frustrating. This is part of the, uh, part of the frustration. Um, and this is the norm. Like I said, many neighbors, it's understood because they have what's called alternate side of the street parking. So you, you're now at a park on one side. There's obviously not, there's limited parking, speaking of today as, as today. And, and everyone just double parks on one side. And most, many times you don't get ticketed, even though it's illegal. But it's understood this is part of life in the big city. So the question is, you parked in your spot, you ran in, you're on the way to a major meeting, major deal you're going to make, and a multi-million dollar deal, and you wanted to grab a bite to eat on the, way, on the way to the deal, way to the meeting, so you run into the bagel store, you grab your food, come out, and you're the, there's someone, you're blocked in, you're double parked. Someone's double parked in front of you. Okay, you're, you start, the first thing to do is, is you're supposed to start honking very loudly. That doesn't work. Um, so the person doesn't come out, you move on to the curses. Right now, you, it's been 20 minutes now, and the guy's still not out. Basically, you're meeting, you're missing your major meeting, um, and, the, and the deal ends up falling through. Okay, so this person who parked, who double parked, who blocked you in, he caused clearly a major loss. The whole deal fell through because you missed the meeting. Um, so again, the question is, can he be held liable for the loss that was incurred to, to you based on this, again, potential loss of income? Okay, so, so in general, we discussed this here in the past um, few times. In general, the law, halacha, at least in Jewish law, and again, I'm not familiar with the secular law um, in these cases, but um, in general, in Jewish law, loss of income, what's called in Hebrew, the term is miniat revach, meaning holding back someone's profit is not actionable. 
you can't charge someone for just not causing you to, you know, not, you're not liable for, you caused him not to have a profit. Okay, we have, for example, and, and in all areas of halacha, this is applicable in many, in many situations. Even, we discussed it, I think, in the past, in, in the context of doing a mitzvah, um, you are not met for many mitzvot, you're not obligated to spend money, but you're obligated to loss to, to have a loss of income. So meaning, let's say, in order to take a typical case, Shabbat, or any holiday, so even though, um, so I'm going, going to have a loss of income by um, not, not going to work on Shabbat. Obviously, I'm obligated to do that. Another context, we, I think we re- mentioned it here, was, let's say, Kibur uh, honoring one's parents. So the law is you're not obligated to spend money to honor your parents. They have to pay for it. They want you to take them somewhere. You have to take them because that's the, you have to respect your parents. That's their wishes. But you can charge them for the gas and toll. Okay, um, that's that's the, that's what the halacha says. But if they let's say it's smack in the middle of your day and you're gonna not gonna be able to go to work, that you're obligated to do because a loss of income is not considered a loss normally in halacha. Loss of potential income, future income, we don't view that as a loss. So here too it would seem. Now, um, that would be the case, but we'll see. It's not so simple. The exception to the rule seems to be in this week's parsha, um, in Exodus 21, parsha Mishpatim. It discusses the case of, ass- of assault and battery. And what's amazing is the Torah again here. You see, Torah discusses five forms of damages are understood from these verses. Okay, five various forms of damage. damage. So the the verse is verse 18 and 19. I read it to you in the Hebrew here. It says like this, it says the Hirvun Anashim, two people who are um, fighting, are quarreling with each other. Vihika Ishadrayim, and one guy um, takes a punch at, at his fellow man. Okay, it says Vihika Ishadrayim, Beven or Begrof, either with a stone or with a fist, <laughs> whatever the case is, it's a, it's a assault and battery. The Loyamut, and the person doesn't die. Obviously, if the person dies, that that's, might be murder. Okay, so we're not talking about a case of murder, but not Mishkov. But the person ends up being, um, he says he falls into bed, so to speak. Meaning he's obviously injured. So you injured someone. Again, an intentional injury, as we see here. Salt and battery. Says the verse, the verse continues. Im yakum If eventually he gets up. So again, if he dies at a later point, that might move to, not upgrade it to a case of not just assault and battery, but to a case of manslaughter, murder, um, depending on, on what happened. But it says, if eventually he gets better, and he goes outside on Bachutz Al Mishantai, which on his own power, and he's able to walk, Vinika Maka, and the um, the one who struck is absolved. Okay, meaning so again, there's no murder here, so he can he can't be held liable for murder. But he says, um, it says Rak Shifto he has to pay him for his. Shevet, which is the term for his lost time. Okay, Shevet, like from the word Shabbat, means rest. He has to pay him for his rest. That's what the Torah says. Virapo yirape. And he also has to pay for his healing, for his medical bills. Okay, so, so two, at least you see clearly there, the, as far as literal damages, that's discussed in other places in the Torah. Um, but clearly the, we're adding on two other things here, at least two other things explicitly in the verse, which is one is what's known as Shevet, again, you're paying him for his lost time, that means lost wages, and we'll see how you assess that, um, for the fact that when he, the time that he's in the hospital, he is, no, he's not able to work. Okay, you caused him 
to be injured, and therefore he can't do his job. You have to pay him now for his lost wages. And another one is medical bills, which again, it's fascinating that this predates uh, many of, of what we have in our society today. Um, as to what's called damages, also for medical bills, you have to pay him for any expenses occurred, incurred for his medical bills. Which is, by the way, this source, the same verse here, happens to be the source that we know um, that in general Judaism is not. We don't believe, like some other religions, that you're not allowed to get healed, so to speak. As you know, there are the, I think it's the witnesses, um, you have the, the J witnesses and other um, Seventh day Adventists, some other religions believe that, that if someone's ill, you have no right to go to a physician because, um, because this is God's decree, so to speak. What right do you have to go against God's will? Judaism, clearly, obviously, we don't believe in that, thank God, otherwise, we would have a lot of people out of business, a lot of good Jewish doctors wouldn't be making a living. A lot of mothers wouldn't be happy, Jewish mothers. But, um, but the, here, this, the, the Talmud learns actually from the same verse, again out of context, the, the fact that it says, he shall surely be healed, rapoli rape, it's a double language. The Talmud says, we see from here that you have permission. This, from here, the Talmud says, it's permission given to the physician to heal in, in Judaism. We don't view it as a, it's, you're going against the will of God. Torah is giving permission. The fact that obviously the Torah is saying he has to pay for the medical bills if you assault someone, clearly we're saying there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. So, so this is the source, just as a side point. It's good to know. Okay, so again, you have medical bills, you have Shevet, and I put down here, there are, there are actually um, five forms of damage. So again, you have the actual loss of damage. In Hebrew, the term is Nezek. When you damage someone, so you have to pay for the actual loss. So... Whatever the case is, if you assaulted someone and uh, he crashed his car while you started punching him, whatever the case was, you, you ruined his shirt, so you're going to have to pay for his car and for his shirt. Yes? Let, all right, let's go back to the case where he's double parked, all right? Yeah. And, you get, and you're mad because you missed your deal, and you take a rock or you take <laughs> something and you bang on that car or break the windshield or... No, oh, that's something else. That? You can you, you have no right to damage someone just because they're causing you a loss of money. You can't damage their property. It doesn't give you a right to damage them or to steal something from them. You you know you could scream at them, but <laughs> you can't. You, you don't have a right to damage someone else. That's for sure, or or to assault someone for that matter. But he just has because the right they're no. Yeah, well, of course he doesn't have the right. The question is again, is he liable monetarily? What is what are our responsibilities? That's the question we're going to deal with. But as far as, the, just because someone is parked or blocked you in doesn't give you the right to assault them or their property. I don't think that's a question. In, in, in for sure, not in Jewish law, I don't know. I mean, assuming it's the same in, in, in American law. Um, you, you might be, and actually in Israel, I've seen this. This is, uh, there was a case, I don't know, I've told me, we were, both saw this where uh, this is only, only in Israel this can happen. There was a little car that was blocking someone in. And the, basically the guy got four burly people. They lifted the car <laughs> and moved it. They just moved, literally moved it a few, I don't know, maybe six, oh. seven feet exactly. and enabled this other car to move it. That only happens in Israel. No. I no think that, that would be under the doctrine of self-help. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot so different. There they than, that's damaging. a lot different than damaging it by throwing right. a rock at it. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and you do have to be careful. In New York, by the way, it is known if people, if you do anger a fellow driver, fellow parker, or if you park too close to someone, they will. It's called keying you. Uh -huh. They take their key in. 
I'll scrape your nice new Bentley, whatever it is. So yeah, that's that's called keying you in, in the New York vernacular. But but again, that's of course that's that's prohibited, and you could be you could be liable for damages if you do that, even mm -hmm. if you feel like you have the right to vent your anger on his car. Okay, but again, we're discussing really the uh, the, the the other side of the case. The question is. Is the person who double parked going to be liable for my loss of income? So here, this what we're showing you here is in this case of the Torah, you f you see this exception to the rule that sometimes the Torah does obligate you for a loss of income. I just want to finish the other three forms of damages. So you, again, you have the nezek, which is the actual form of damage. B is what's called tsar. Tsar means um, you, for pain and suffering. It means you, there is the Torah implies that there's a damage you have to pay someone for causing him pain and suffering. So uh, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, that is also, and that, again, it's an interesting way that has to be, a <coughs> that, that's assessed. Um, you assess someone's pain by basically offering you how much would someone pay, sounds like a reality show, late night TV, where you, how much would someone pay to, to experience this pain? Now, so what money, how much money would it take to actually have this pain? Now, at some point, people will say, you know, so, so that's one way of, of assessing <coughs> Okay, assessing it. Then you have what's called repoy, we mentioned, which is the medical expenses. Shevet is the key point we're, we're, gonna, we're addressing here, which is loss of income, loss of earnings. And then the last one is what's called boshet. Boshet means literally, it means embarrassment, um, shame. So if someone is, is embarrassed in public, let's say you, you punch someone in public, or whatever the case was, and they were, he had shame and humiliation. So that also has to be paid, different than pain and suffering, um, separate from pain and suffering. Okay, so those are the five forms of, uh, of damages. <coughs> now, um, the, the, po the, the point here is now the some commentaries, specifically the Chatam Sofer, who when he comments on this verse, he says specifically again, because this doesn't seem to fit with our principle, like we said, um, which is normally we don't have to pay for potential um, loss of income. Okay, potential benefit or future income or benefit normally you don't have to pay for what's called miniat reva. So why uh, here um, seemingly you do have to pay? Yes. I see a difference between the two examples. Yes. <coughs> you hurt somebody as a pianist, you break his hands or whatever. He had a steady he had a steady pattern of income from his labor. Right now you're stopping. But the idea you miss your meeting, you didn't make the sale. There was no guarantee you can make that sale anyway. The only thing that might be logical connection might be if your boss gets upset with you for being late and fires you. Now that means then you have an interruption of your steady income. Um, right. So that might even be the There's no guarantee of that anyway. So that's a good point. It's a valid point that uh, you're right. Can he prove? He would have to prove in a court. Assuming that there's liability, he would have to prove in a court of law that deal would have went through for sure had he been at that meeting. Well, obviously, you'd have to prove it. You're right. If if there's, there's you know we don't know for sure, then obviously I can't I can't be held liable for those for for that. But we're talking about when there's clearly an income that would have came in. It's 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 there's a way to assess it in a case where you're not sure you're 100% right. Um, for example, the the the. Uh, the, I gave the example here. If you damage someone's car, you now can't get to work. Right, so I go and slash someone's tires. Now he can't get to work. So am I liable for now? He lost his day of income, lost his day of wages. I would say he lost his yeah, wages yeah, for the day. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't. I, I would say yes, but I wouldn't say if he, if he had an income, he had a salary plus a commission. He couldn't project his income. 
Commission. Oh, so okay. Because we're not sure. Regular income, you probably would be earning Yeah, but you can. Let's say, right. So let's say he's a waiter in a restaurant. So he lost his potential. You couldn't assess his average tips for the day. Maybe yes. No, I'm saying you could assess someone's average tips for the day. You can do average. Of course you do an average, but I mean, you never guarantee a tip. You never guarantee a tip. It's like you never guarantee a commission. No, but you have an average over the years. Two dollars and thirteen cents an hour is always an average, but still not a guarantee. Oh, so you're right. Obviously, it would have to be clear, I guess, in a court of law, you have to prove that this was your income, you're right, it would be harder to assess liability in that case, but it doesn't make the question here is, am I liable at all for a potential loss of income in general, okay um, for example, another other example I gave is let's say you damage a house and and now, so, if you're just paying actual damages, so the house had a value today this guy says I would have kept it as it's a, it's a investment house I would have sold it down the line, I would have made much more money now well, I, you know I keep, now it's 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 at a loss. It's a, you know I have to take it as a loss, so I'm not going to potential income there. So where do you draw the line? This is really the question. So again, in this case, the Torah is saying, as far as um, this particular case, Torah seems to be saying you can charge someone for loss of income. Okay. So the question is, what what's different? So the Chassam Sofer, who's a commentary on the Torah, who lived in the 1700s, he says. Um, that you're right, this case is different only because it's the case of assault and battery. He limits the charge, the charges of loss of income only specifically to a case of assault and battery. Okay? He says if it's any other case, if you just, let's say, we're saying damaging someone's car, specifically, as we'll see, damaging another, you, you struck another human being, in that case is where the Torah implies these five forms of damages. Any other case where, let's say, like you said, you just uh, you, you, uh, slashed his tires, Okay, or you damage his home, cases like that where there's no assault involved. He says there, there, you can't charge for loss of income. That's what the Hassam Sof says. As we'll see, most authorities do not rule like him at this opinion. But that's how he interprets the verse. Because again, we seem to have this dichotomy of different cases where, in, in most cases, we don't allow for charging of loss of income. So, um, so another, another criteria that they discuss is the only time that these five damages apply, meaning, again, obviously the actual damage itself, what's called nezek, actual loss and damages, there's no question that's always going to apply. If you damage someone, damage this property, you dam or you damage the person, you're always going to have to pay for the actual loss and damages. The question again is these, these added um, things that we're talking about, pain and suffering, the medically loss of earnings is what we're talking about. So Rashi says, Rashi in the Talmud, in the case in, in Tracted Baba Kama says very clearly the only time you're going to be obligated in the other in the other forms of damages he says is what's called Shogeg Karuv Lemezid he says when you inflict bodily harm willfully or with gross negligence okay so there has to be um, a specific case of meaning your intent was to damage him um, and there and or or gross negligence as we'll see so for example um let's say, so a case, let's say, where that would be clear would be, um, let's say, you threw a rock like someone mentioned before, the Torah says here you're throwing a rock, where you know there might, it might hit someone, so that clearly is a case of gross negligence, it's willful you're willfully throwing a rock, and you're there's gross negligence, because it, you know it might hit someone, there's a crowd of people there it's very possible it's going to hit someone so that would be a case where 
would fit this criteria, you'd be <coughs> obligated to pay even for loss of wage, wages. That's called Shevet. But, um, he says, let's say, for example, let's take a car accident. Okay, case of a car accident, where again, I think in, in American law, you do have to pay um, for loss of wages. There is a kind of loss of wages. He's, Rashi seems to be saying, no, that wouldn't fit the criteria because you're, again, unless you willfully drove your car, you know, intentionally into someone. But in case of a normal car accident, and most it's negligence, it's not gross negligence, there's no clear, you didn't want to harm the other person. There's no, it wasn't willfully, and it wasn't, most people don't drive their cars into other cars willfully. Again, maybe if you're from New York, um, things are different. But, uh, but the point is, right, so, so there's no, it's, that's not considered gross negligence. It might be negligence, you might have, you know, turned and you cut him off, or whatever the case was. But again, that's negligence, that's not gross negligence. And therefore, according to Rashi, the way they explain it is you wouldn't be obligated to pay for lost damages. Again, damages, of course, still have to pay. That's a concept we discussed many times, that Adam Muad Lolam. A person is always liable for damages. No, there's no getting off the hook ever for damages, even if it was not willful, even if it was a mistake. Um, unless it was under duress, that might be different. If you had someone had a gun to your head. But otherwise, you're always liable to pay for damages. Again, the issue here that Rashi is discussing is the, these other four added, which is the pain and suffering, medical expense, loss of earnings, and humiliation. Okay, so he's saying that's only in a case where there's gross negligence. So a car accident, for example, wouldn't fit that criteria. Now getting to the double parking, that also, I'm assuming in, the, in, in that case, I don't, I don't know if you can define that as gross negligence. Someone, you know, blocking someone in. Um, would you call that, uh, maybe, yeah. Definitely intent. Yeah, it's well, it's not the intent to damage him. But, uh, no, I'm saying that, that's well, what it's like I think. throwing a rock. Oh, I know. No, but I'm saying he, there's no willful intent. Your plan was you needed to go get your bagel well, in the well, next door. But you're totally disregarding the other person's Yes, but that's not... I don't know if we call that willful... My, my, my intent wasn't to mess up his meeting. It wasn't my intent. Well, there was no willful damage. Meeting, but you didn't care. What about... What? If you knew he had a meeting, I don't know if you would care. Yeah, but I'm saying you can't say if you knew. Yeah. I didn't know he had a meeting. I, I parked my car for convenience because I needed to but go, you know, if you're gonna go take, if you're gonna, uh, get my wife. You're going to go upstairs um, for 30 minutes. Yeah, Let's skip the five-minute issue. Yeah. This guy, guy's going to go upstairs to the 30th floor of the building. He's going to be gone for at least 30 minutes. And he block, double, block, double parks in front of somebody. He's got to know he's going to inconvenience someone. Most well, of the time, he's going to inconvenience someone. Yeah, so but I'm saying inconvenience is not damage. That's the point. If I just inconvenienced him, I didn't listen. I'm an idiot. You might use damage. curse words against me, but I, I can't. You can't take me to court. There's no damages well, here. The question is, yeah, okay, but that's the point. Potential for damage. I, was there willful intent, and was was couldn't you say it was gross you negligence know, so that I caused this if to miss the meeting? The we have an attorney, no, two attorneys. What would you say? Well, I think the issue is not willful, but maybe it was gross. I mean, how do you define gross negligence? No, I'm saying, how, how would you define legally gross negligence? Was it wasn't like by mistake. Yes, it clearly was a mistake. At any logic, this is example, you know, you shoot into a train. I wasn't trying to shoot anybody. I was just shooting in a train. Right, but, but over there I knew... You were gross negligent. You might not have been <laughs> Yes, the so the point is over there I knew that... You knew Iraq you're causing someone hit someone. So you're saying here I knew that my double parking could cause someone damage. Well, you knew... You know that basically that, you know, that creating a situation that is likely to cause somebody a problem. Ne oh, again, a problem is not that. Negligence would be you mistakenly parked on the wrong side of the street. Gross negligence is you double parked. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
There can be no doubt when you double park, you do you what know, you do, yeah. or should so have You knew what I was doing, but again, then I, exactly. it was my asking, intent to them. But, but you were asking, what's the difference between negligence and gross negligence? You have a different definition. Right. Yeah, no, I'm not this, sure. This, this action is gross negligence. Whether it qualifies for damages or not, I don't know. But you asked the question, negligence or gross negligence? This is a gross negligence. You wouldn't get a jury of 12 people to say, oh, yeah, okay. It was a mistake. It was oops. No, no, again, we're not saying it has to be a mistake. Again, you can be an idiot. You're a total idiot. You understood the ramifications of your action. The question is, can you say that I intended to, to mess this your meeting up? This is analogous to throwing the rock. That's what you would say. Okay, I'm not sure. I, shooting the gun at the truck. How, how about this thing, when you say I damage a taxi car's a taxi driver's car even though he can't work, not liable for loss of money. Okay, we'll get there. So we'll get there. So we'll get there in a second. So again, so so again, first criteria we're saying here is um, it's, that it's uh, any case of what's called again shogun curve lameza. That means it was either willfully, willfully, or gross negligence. And obviously, we're discussing what what exactly how to define those terms. Um, but a car accident, surely, I think we all would agree, even based on the way you're defining it, would not be considered um, gross negligence. If you're drunk. Oh, be drunk, maybe. Yes. Yeah, an accident's an accident. An accident is, is, is even even if I messed up, even if it was negligence on my part, meaning I didn't turn on my signal and I would cut him off, but that's still, a, that you couldn't call that gross negligence, and therefore it so wouldn't. Okay, just so that, you know, an accident's an accident. Gross negligence is you get on the freeway going the wrong way. Right. That, that's gross negligence. Or you're, or you're driving onto the infant. I mean, whether, whether, you're, whether you're stone sober or not. I mean, the under these the examples, uh, agreeing with David's example, agreeing with David's definition, right? is Rashi really saying that the only way to have gross damages, to say damages, defining that term, is that if you know the person? But if you don't know who you're driving parking to, yeah, you can theoretically say, yes, I did it. No, you don't have to know. And he has a meeting. No, I'm saying you're right. You don't have to. I'm not saying you have to know the person, but you have to intensely understand that this is actually what, what the ram exact ramifications of your action will be. Then you can say he's damaging you. No, it's anything less than that. You can't say, you know, I'm damaging I didn't know you had a meeting. So where's my damage? I didn't know that this is going to be an issue for you. Listen, I thought maybe I'll inconvenience you. Inconvenience and, and taking someone's multi-million dollar deal away is very different. Okay, so if I double okay. park, I recognize your car on, on, on the street of Brooklyn, right? I recognize your car, I double park. I know it's Robert Grossman. I know he's not involved in business. He's not going to have any business deals. I can, I can block him for 30 minutes. So there's Worst no gross, there's no gross negligence. Right. There's no gross <laughs> one damage. Right. No, so what's the damage? Unless, again, the damage would only be if you took away... The only damage we, you can deal with, maybe there's pain and suffering. <coughs> maybe, or, or you could say uh, emotional, or... But I'm saying, but the question here, again, is specifically loss of earnings. That's the question. Can I now come to you because you double-parked and, and take you to court and say, you met you, my, my deal fell through because you double-parked? That's the question. Okay, so, so that is very different than inconvenience. Inconvenience, you're an idiot. No one's we're not condoning it. Anyone who double-parks is an idiot. But the, the question is not, we're, not dis we're discussing monetary. Is there recourse to collect monetary damages based on loss of your earnings? That's the question. Okay? So, so well, again. the double parking on a rabbi's car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
Okay, so now another another thing that uh, that we talk about, Rashi mentions, is this this is only this whole concept of shevet of loss of paying for someone's loss of earnings is only if it's what's called adam ba adam. That means there's there's uh, bodily damage. That means I um, that there's it could doesn't mean I have to be doing the bodily damage. It could be my car. We'll get we'll discuss that a little bit. But the uh, point is that bodily damage. Meaning if I like he said this case where a guy's a taxi driver and I slashed his tires. Everyone seems like, at least in halacha, there's there's no argument. Everyone would agree in that case. There's no loss of earnings. You can't charge me for loss of earnings in that case, because it's only applicable as the case in the Torah where we see it in the Torah, which is the case was assault and battery. So we might be broadening it not only to a case of assault and battery, but it has to be bodily damage. I would bring another example. Yes. Uh, not an example, but I would say how that might how you could make the argument for damage. Yeah. You can't. Uh, uh, in regards to a, a poor person who borrows from you, you can't take his millstone as a, as, a, as a collateral. He has to he has to use it to live. The taxi driver is using That's true, cars, but, that, but that's a specific money. prohibition. He's referring to a prohibition actually in this week's parasha too. When you when you take collateral on a loan, you ha- you're not allowed to take the person's pillow or something that he needs on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, because it says you have to, poor guy, he can't live without his pillow. You can't take something that he needs to live. He needs for his business. Okay, you have to take something that is worth, have obviously a value, piece of jewelry, where but he doesn't, he could survive without. That's a biblical prohibition. So again, you're right. You see the concept that you have to. It's that's more of an ethical perspective of you have to care about the person. You know, just because you're a, a loan shark doesn't mean you and you can lord over him and you have him. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't mean you have the right to. to to put him out of business and take, you know, his, his let's say he's a taxi driver, take his car. Okay, that's all it's saying there, but you don't see, again, that you can charge someone for them. Let's say I did. Let's say that's a great example. Let's say I did take, I'm a, I'm, I, uh, this, I took collateral from someone and I took his something that he no longer can get to work. Can he charge me now for that? No. Meaning you're right. I was violated a different um, admonition in Torah, different prohibition of not taking something that, that he needs for his livelihood. But it, but on the contrary, there's no. I can't. He has no recourse and damages, in that sense. He can't now charge me for his loss of income. As we say, what we're saying is the limited this this um, form of damage, which is known as shevet for loss of income, is limited to bodily damage. Okay. Where you harm the person's body. So let's say the case where you mentioned, let's say, of a pian a pianist, you cut off his finger. So that would be a case where you, you he can charge you. For loss of income. Now he no longer can play the piano. So, so that would be the case. Okay. So, so in other words, I finance a lot of trucks and trailers. If this guy doesn't pay okay, me. What's the case? I finance trucks and trailers. Yes. Okay. This guy doesn't pay me. His livelihood is a truck driver. Can I repo his truck? Well, repo is something else. You're taking payment. We're talking about just this collateral you're taking. Well, this, that is his collateral. No, no. I'm saying repo is not collateral. Repo is your, that's your payment for the loan. He owes you money. But you also He's not paying the loan. No, I said was for collateral. Collateral means, well, the collateral. means collateral mm-hmm. means he's going to, you want to make sure he pays you in the future, so you're going to hold on to X to make sure that he pays you. Okay, right. that's collateral. It's different than repo. Repo means it's past the time. The loan's up, and he's not paying you, so you have a right to go even recap your damage, loan. Even if I damage his income. Yeah, I mean, you're, okay. you, you got to take, you got to get your loan paid back. That's something else. It's very different. You're talking about if you if you have a choice, you can take his truck, or you can take a piece of jewelry, his Rolex watch. So you take the Rolex watch, you can survive 
Some of us could survive one day without a few days without a Rolex watch. Okay? Um, so, so, for example, that's what I put down there. So that's what you see, this concept damage the taxi driver's car. So there's no, he, again, he's not liable for the loss of earnings, only for the loss of the value of the car. Okay? Um, what's this case here? I remember this example I put down B. It says crack in my sidewalk. Only damage is not loss of income. Assume you're referring to somebody who trips on the crack. Yes, but why, but why? So over there it is bodily damage, but I think the point was, but then, was let's say. But, but then they can't work. Right, but the question is why? So why? I'm saying they're not liable, and I'm trying to remember why. Um, I, I think the, the point is, um, you, you know, it's again, you're only liable for damages, not for loss of income, because that was the case of construction. Again, I didn't, it wasn't the case where I damaged them. It was my. my uh, my material, my something that I own damaged them. Okay, so as, as opposed to what we're saying is bodily damage means I have to damage the person, not his car, or not something that he owns. And the same would apply if my something of mine, meaning I did shoddy construction and something happened. So I'm again, I'm liable for damages, of course, but not for loss of income in that case, because that, that, that again is, is not, I didn't um, bodily harm him, so to speak. It was, my, it was my ownership, I don't know what the right word is. Because again, we see this from the Torah. The case of the Torah is, it's lim we're limiting it to what the Torah discusses. The Torah discusses a case of assault and battery. So we're saying it's not only assault and battery, um, but it has to be between man and man, so to speak. The damages would have to be where a one person damaged another person, as opposed to property damaging the person, my property damaging a person, or, or me damaging property. Okay, that's the way we're defining it. So, but, the, the, but again, this is specifically for these added points of damage. The initial damage of the actual loss, you're always going to be obligated, you're always going to be liable. So, so this gets into the question of, let's say, cancel contracts. I think we discussed this here in the past. It's relevant to, uh, to everyone, to attorneys, physicians, dentists. If someone doesn't show up for an appointment, how does that work? Um, and, I, and I don't remember everything we discussed at that session. Maybe someone else does. But, um, but the question here is, this is, this, this is a standard case. There are many applications of this where, let's say, you hired someone um, um, with a contract or without a contract, as we'll see, and then you end up canceling them. As we mentioned, the original case of the, of the car rental I had in my family it's many years ago. Um, my, two of my brothers um, got engaged a night apart, and uh, my one brother told the other one to go, you know, whatever band he's getting for his wedding, just hire the same band for mine, weren't in particular. Um, and and uh, what happened was my younger brother got married first, and uh, he kept on telling my my older brother kept on telling me, younger brother, whatever you hire, you know, whatever band you take, just uh, take it from me. But he wasn't doing it, so my brother, one brother, went and hired one band, and then me and my younger brother also hired the same night. They hired two bands for the wedding, for his wedding. So uh, and there was. A, called up to cancel the band. The band, and this band claimed it was actually a Jewish band. They claimed uh, that, listen, we could have had other bookings that night. This was, it was still, let's say, a month or two before the wedding, but they said, you know, the chances of us getting a booking now, month before the date, is, is close to nil. So we want, we have to pay, they wanted uh, my brother to pay the full price for, for, for his band, even though they're not going to show up. My brother fought them, and uh, yeah, I think it ended up in small claims court. I don't remember what the ruling was, but they wanted the, the price for the whole wedding. My brother said, I'll give you the down payment. They said, no, they want, we lost potential income. So there's a question 
um, obviously you have here, anytime you're dealing with a caterer, a photographer, whatever the case is, um, how does that work? You, you cancel on them. So if you had a contract, there's no question. If you had a signed contract, there's no, no, nothing to discuss. That's not our case. That's not loss of in- income. That's a violation of contract. So of course you can charge in a case where there was a contract. The question becomes um, where you don't have a contract. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, generally speaking, in the problem again, it's a service agreement. You look at the profit that people would make without the entire charge. If I hire a caterer and cancel them, I'm not going to pay the whole caterer anymore. Well, I assume it, it would be what it says in the contract. I mean, I'm yeah, probably, I yeah. there's fine print on the contract. I don't know what it says, but assuming just the contract that I hired them for, for this night and doesn't, I'm assuming the reason why you're not liable is because it says that in the contract that you're not liable for full. I, I mean, I don't know. I've never read the fine print. What? In most contracts that I've seen, the least what I've done. Well, well, no, I'm saying what I've seen, what I've dealt with, let's say hotels where I've done different events, is it says in the contract if you cancel by, if you don't cancel by this in the state, um, then this is your loss. It's whatever it is, 20 percent or 30 percent. That's usually right. But I'm saying it says that in the contract. But assuming it didn't say that in the contract, assuming I signed the contract with the caterer and then it doesn't say anything. So you're saying there's a formula. I would still get the 20%. I would still get the 20%. Okay, so, it, so it could be in American law. That's that's how it works. And so in halacha... Barely would get the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, in halacha, if, you, if no it doesn't one. state, <coughs> there's no fine print stating um, what you are, you know, what the loss is going to be, then you have to pay. You card them out. And assuming, again, they would have to prove well, that they can't a, get another customer. There's a difference between the, a difference between the caterer and what they would get and a photographer. Because the photographer let's say is going to get a thousand dollars for the evening just skipping aside the cost of film they have no expenses so it's, it's going up a lot the food expense yes. that they're not going to expend yeah. mm-hmm. and the profit's 300 got so bill. That's, that's that's right. it also yeah. be depends when you cancel if you that's cancel right. the day of obviously right. but it's a very good point in our jurisprudence you know there is an obligation for them to try to cover meaning they have to try to reasonable efforts to mitigate damage. No, so again, so, right, so, so let's make it clear. The damage, the actual damage, let's say in your case, which is a great example, if, if you cancel on the caterer the day of, they have a loss of the food. That's right. Clearly, that's damages. That's not the issue. And the question here is the loss of income. They're claiming they could have had another client that night, and that, that's what we're discussing. And you can see... I'm not income, that's why they're profit. Right. So that's really that's the issue is is can are you liable for that that they claim this they could have got another client now you you they because of you because of your booking they couldn't get they're not going to get another client right so so again so in in halacha the Jewish law is once if you had a binding contract that there's no there's no question you'd have to pay everything assuming there's no concept of twenty percent again obviously there's there's no loss incurred. Meaning if the, that, but that would be damages. I would view that as, I say, the food would be dam- actual damages. Yeah. But uh, but potential income, um, again, if he can prove, if by the way the law is, if he can get another client, then you don't have to pay. Assuming right. he can get another client for that, then he wouldn't be able to pay at all. But assuming he proves somehow, and or it's too little time, and he couldn't get another client, um, so uh, so in that situation, and I, I had this case in Israel, and we once discussed it here also when I was in Israel once. I booked a like a bed and breakfast in up north um, in Tzfat. We were going to go for the weekend. 
my mother was with me and she had gotten sick and we couldn't end up going. I called up the guy and uh, and he wanted, he said I need to pay him anyway because he lost the client for that bed and back. So I actually asked a rabbi, I went to Israel, a lot of rabbis to ask. They went to ask what I should do and he said, he said if, since it was the height of the season and they can get other, this is what he told me, they can get other clients. They could, they have ample time. I called him on a Thursday night. He said he could still get clients for the weekend. It was the height of the season. It was the middle of the summer. Um, and he said, therefore, you're not, technically, you're not liable. As we'll see, there's a concept, it's called a flimisher. And then he says, you know, if you want to clean your slate, you know, it's best to pay. Anyway, they said, le- legally, he has no recourse. But if you want to pay, he, it's a nice, it's not only a nice thing, it's, you should do it. It's called Bidei uh, Shamayim. He says, still liable. Yeah, it's this, the, the distinction that I would draw to the rabbi's advice is maybe he could get another client. So you would be required, I think you're required to check back on Monday and see. Yeah, but, but did, again, did, the question the, would be. Perhaps he, he can, because uh, did he? And he's required to look for one. Right, but, but the question but is, that I don't know, how, does he, how do I prove whether we look for one? How does he prove one? Well, him? assuming everybody tells Apple the truth, <laughs> he is required <laughs> yeah. to look. But then I think you're required to check back on Monday and say, did you fill it or not? And if he says, look, I tried, I stood outside with a sign and nobody came, maybe the height so, of the So season, he didn't say that. It, it's according a, it's to your, point. you know, your Right, he was rabbi. saying that since it's the height of the season, there's, he can't claim he can't get another client. That's, That's what he, nice to say <laughs> in the hypothetical, but not necessarily in, in the real so what we're saying, be, you're always able to recoup your costs, but you might not be able to recoup all your profit. Is that what you're basically saying? Mm, well, yeah. I didn't say. Well, <laughs> I didn't say anything. I didn't get. But I'm saying, unless but unless you can find a rabbi, there is a situation. There is always a No, which situation? Which situation? I'm saying you should be able to recoup which, your which costs. Which case? Well, the caterer. <laughs> caterer. Okay. He had cost of food. Yes. Yeah. No, the so damages. Yes. Yeah, the cost, the loss. Right. The loss is always. You're always able to recoup. Again, the right. question you're, is on, well, the, you're, on you're the loss, cost. on the income, on the loss of the income. income. That's yeah. the loss. Yeah. 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 The cost you always can recoup. Yes. Yeah. Actual yeah. loss you can always recoup. The question is, so again, so since they had a binding contract, it's clear. Um, like we're saying, he's liable for lost income and employment opportunity. Um, what's the so that would be in a case like that the 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 by the way so what they discuss is that once in, in Allah again I don't know how this works in, in, uh, in American Jewish uh, law um, but once you started work that means once you started the work let's say with the contract or whatever the case is that's considered even if there's no written contract that's like that's a binding agreement once the person has started to work for you so if there was an oral agreement if there's no written contract, but once the person has started to work and then you cancel them, let's say they show up, doesn't mean start to work. Let's say you, the workers show up at your house, you hire them to fix your kitchen, and they show up, whether it's a plumber or whoever it is, they sh- actually show up. At that so point, it's, it's as if you have a contract. So, using your example, the two bands show up, and that's the first instant you realize that the two yes, bands then you'd have look, to pay. Then you right, have without question. By the way, that's what the band, after my brother was fighting with them, they said they threatened to, sh- they're going to show up anyway. And Ruin the wedding, so they're going to play. They said, uh, we're going to ruin your wedding. That's <laughs> yeah, right. And they, I understand, listen, they're, they're probably were right. Um, but in any case, um, so now what the, there's, there's a commentary on the, on the Code of Jewish Law called the Sotachoshin, and he says 
There's a different reason. He says, in a case like this, where a ban and caterer, he says, you're obligated to pay because of the verse of this verse in the Torah. He says, it's Shevet. So it's, the Torah says, one of the forms of damage is the loss of income. So he expands the, the boundaries here, and he applies it um, even to a case of, uh, of total loss of income. Okay, uh, meaning, meaning even where there's no, clearly this is not a case of assault and battery. I hired a ban, might have led to, at some point to assault and battery, but, but, um, but I hired a caterer or ban, there's no question. Um, he says even without a binding contract, even if they didn't begin work, you're still going to be obligated because of this concept of, like we're saying, this principle that you see here in the verse of loss of Shevet that you have to pay for potential loss of income. Um, um, one of the other countries and there's a disagreement there, he argues and says, no, we like we say, that's limited to a case, the case of loss of income is limited to bodily assault. <coughs> right, where, um, and he, actually the proof they discuss is a case where you locked someone, the case is I, I pushed someone in a room, I locked the door, it's actually the case that Tom says you hung him from a hook, um, okay, and, he, and he's not able to go to work that day. So, he, so in that case, you're not only obligated for the damages, the Talmud says you're obligated for, for loss of income. In fact, you have to pay him the fact that he Why? lost his wages for that day. Because, so, so this seems to be the argument, meaning how do we define that case? And Yeshiva says that case in the Talmud is specifically because that's considered assault and battery. The fact that you hung him from a hook, you locked him in a room, restrained you restrained him, that's considered assault and battery. It's only there that you'd be obligated to pay. But in a case where you hired a caterer or you hired a bed, there's no assault and battery. Nothing happened there. So in that case, he says, you, you, you can't say, based on this verse, that you're obligated to pay lost wages. So using, These are the two opinions. Using David's uh, example, or the example you have here, instead of slashing the tires of the taxi driver, he took his key and locked him in his and He can't get out. Now he can't. So that, that's the same. Yes, so that, that would be... be restraint, like that, yeah, case. so that would be defined, quote-unquote, as assault matter, even though you didn't assault him, but you pushed him in the room. Okay, but let, let's say a different case. Let's say you're negligent. For example, let's say you just, uh, you know, you're in a restaurant and the door closes automatically. And you forgot, you didn't realize, and the guy got locked in there. Okay, so then that would be dependent on these two opinions. Meaning, if you say it's limited to assault and battery, so it's only if you push the guy in the room and slam the door and lock him in. Intentionally, I mean, that was the case. So then you have to pay also for his lost wages. But if you happen to be, you just, the door slammed on him when you walked out, it was your fault. You were negligent even, but you weren't, it wasn't, again, it wasn't gross negligence. You didn't, you didn't realize the door was going to slam, and he gets locked in there. So, uh, you know, that's it. You, you have to pay for his lost, wage, lost wages. It was a reminder of the story. There was a case of a Hasidic Rebbe, Yom you know, Kippur. He, they say he got stuck in the bathroom, the whole Yom Kippur. <laughs> yes. And uh, he was supposed to lead the service. It's a, it's a true story. And, and when he came out, you know, finally they found him. They were looking for him all day, and he... Finally, you know, after Yom Kippur, they found him, they opened the bathroom. And they said, you know, it's a tragedy, like Yom Kippur, you can reach such spiritual heights. And he, you know, he's stuck in the bathroom, you know, you're not allowed to even pray, you know, and pray when you're in the bathroom. Yeah. You can't say God's name, you can't think in Torah. So he said, he said it, this was the best Yom Kippur he said he ever had spiritually. And Hasidic Rebbe said, said because he, the, by the fact that he couldn't pray, and he had to overcome this not praying and not thinking in holy thoughts, he said it was, he reached higher spiritual heights than he ever reached. And you'll get okay. All right. <laughs> so, uh, You're not recommending that. <laughs> okay. Um, so just to finish off here, because we're, we're out of time, but basically, um, so it says. Uh, so again, this would be these two opinions, and we're saying there's a major practical, obviously very practical difference between these two opinions as to um, 
cases like we're saying where if you don't have assault and battery can you also charge for potential loss of income or not um, okay so uh, so for example the, the, another example they, they talk about is let's you have a salesman the case they're talking about is someone's transporting goods um, to another city and this is again written hundreds of years ago and then the dam the goods um, for whatever reason because of this person's negligence he leaves them in the truck it's food fruit it gets the food gets ruined overnight okay and and they lost but this potential sales it goes down in quality okay and this can have this happens often you have a delivery service um, where if there's a potential meaning that because of their maybe even negligence the, the item goes down in quality so it's now going to be sold at less can you can now is that salesman held liable for for that can you charge him for your loss loss of potential income the fact that you could have sold it at x at price x now because he was late in his delivery whatever the case was or it went down in quality now it's he's not going to be able to make as much money as a partner or as a or as an employer so they say in that case also in in a case where there's a mutual agreement when you have a partnership with someone you hire someone for x and there's a mutual agreement um since you're bound by that agreement you could always charge because that agreement was we have a deal we we'd say we each gave 50 percent into this and now because of your negligence i'm not going to be able to recoup i'm not going to make the amount of money that we were supposed to make so that's considered like a mutual agreement and they say in that case you can always charge for for the loss of income in a case like that that's what i've seen discussed so this this is it's endless the amount of examples where this is applicable but this is what's fascinating is you see the torah discusses this concept of workers comp and uh, when you can charge and when you can't charge for someone for loss of income so again getting back to the double parked car so i assume there um if you if you're calling it gross negligence that would that would depend on and I, I didn't see it discussed anywhere there's no response on double parked cars but um if if you're calling it gross negligence then you're right then obviously you can charge him for technically i mean i, I can't imagine that would go over in court you say you know, you can, if it's a multi-million dollar deal, you lost some real estate deal because this guy was double parked. Uh, How no, would that I work? Think, I don't think you can. I just, it's two different questions. What's negligence, what's gross negligence? Yeah, the separate, the different issue is what, what's foreseeable damages? And those aren't foreseeable damages. That would be in, in, a, in Western law, that would be the question. Right. Yeah, put a big sign in your door. Don't double park. Everyone, everyone has that sign. Everybody has that. Everyone in New York puts that sign. Everyone writes that. says in New York, in, in Texas, first negligence, but in New York, it is a <laughs> That could be. It's true. <laughs> no, but, no, the point is. <laughs> no, but it's a valid point. Because, question, but the, no, but I'm saying the gross negligence is not putting your business card in the window. When I worked in Manhattan, the way it worked is you double parked and it was okay. But you put your, your number in the window and it was understood. You come outside, you have to call the number. So the, the negligence is not putting the, your phone number on the dashboard. Because that's normal. Anyone who lives in Manhattan or works in Manhattan is known. That's the way it works. You double park, you put your phone number on the dash. And obviously you're not going to do it for two days, but sometimes people do. The definition of what is an a-hole varies cultural Okay. You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethic Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.com.
www.ghostbusters.org. Shalom. Shalom.